Welcome to Build a Drone Reviewer Podcast, Episode 37. Rotor Talk Live, Rick Smith, Drone Valley. Got that coming up next. Last night, Marcus Crawford and I hosted Rotor Talk Live, and we had the privilege of having Rick Smith on. Rick is absolutely no stranger to the channel, and we thoroughly enjoyed our time with him. It could have been twice as long or three times as long, and probably still wouldn't have been enough. But we did spend a considerable amount of time talking about the Skydio 2, and then also Rick's experience with the DJI Mavic Mini. So we'll roll the broadcast in its entirety. All right, welcome everyone to Rotor Talk Live, Season 2, Episode 45. Very special guest, Rick Smith from Drone Valley. Rick will be on with us in, in a few minutes. Marcus, how are you this evening? Darn good. Uh, just kind of uh, getting over that cold and uh, and darn happy about it. Uh, been flying the uh, Peridonofi the last couple of days, and uh, it, we've had some blue sky days here, and there's there's nothing better than that. Well, yeah, you got to take advantage of those blue sky days um, at this time of year because it's going to change. It's going to change and probably change in a hurry, unfortunately. Um, it's already started to, it's already bottoming out down here in Florida. It's like, you know, it's, it's the, the change of the season is not by obviously leaves down here, but it's by air temperature. And when it starts to top out in the 80s instead of the 90s, you know that winter's coming down here. That's, that's kind of like, like the big signal for us down here as far as, as, far as that's concerned. Yeah, um, it's kind of. It, you know, the leaves have all dropped up pretty much already, so the trees are already bare. And, and I mean, winter will hit. It'll be a, an overnight thing. I did this weekend install the uh, the, the snow blade on my ATV because I know that any day we could get snow. So <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, that, that's, something, that's something that's definitely coming up. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you this, though, Marcus, that's something I absolutely positively do not miss. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome some people in tonight. Lauren's in the house, Drone Master. Uh, Noah's here. Um, uh, Johnny Drone Flyer, Steve Ewing, Brad Hendo, Drone Shots, Ted Bowman. Thank you. Rick Smith is in the house. Rick, how are you this evening, my friend? Well, he was in the house. Well, we, yeah, it, it, got it. something happened there. Well, let's let's Rick. Rick will join us here in just a second here. Let me go ahead and pop this out. We got a lot to talk about with Rick. Of course, you know, um, having having Rick on the show is just an absolute blast. It's like, you know, watching some of Rick's video, latest videos on the Mavic Mini. It was like seeing a, a 10 year old on Christmas morning. I mean, really, abs absolutely absolutely fantastic so um genuine enthusiasm genuine enthusiasm um wanted to call um attention um rick halber started a gofundme for dan drone worship um i posted a link up at the top of the chat and it's also embedded in the description uh dan could use your thoughts and prayers and definitely some help financially so uh, feel free to uh help as you are able to do so so uh steve miller welcome um steve max here tonight um Arbit U fan 008 is here. Um, thank you guys so much for showing up. You know, there this is the most wonderful time of the year. It, re it really is. And we're we're getting, you know, we're we're looking forward to um Christmas coming up, the holidays coming up, and um I'll jump back in. I'm having audio issues. So 
Rick's going to join us here momentarily. Okay. Um, you know, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about and allude to, and I think Marcus and I kind of talked about that, is, um, you know, this, uh, you know, um, DJI and the ordering process for the Mavic Mini. Um, you know, Marcus, they're in a, they have established supply chains. And I've seen, now I got a, I got a response back. I saw Russ from 51 Drones got a response back. And I've seen several other people get responses back. And all of them are different. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, it, I have to tell you, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, you know, I don't care if somebody calls me a, a DJI fanboy or whatever. I like DJI because of their products as much as anything else. But I have to say, uh, Bill, I am very disappointed in the way they rolled out uh, this mini. It just wasn't honest the way they did it. And, you know, we ordered it thinking that it would get shipped and we'd get it and it'd get to us ready to fly. And, and that simply wasn't the case. The other thing that I objected to was the fact it's okay if they tell us that they're pre-order, you know, that it's a pre-order, if they were upfront about it. But, you know, I can tell you they hit my credit card very first thing. But all, all of that said, all of that is going to be water under the bridge when that drone shows up at my front door. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, that, that's just one of those things. Rick, how are you this evening? Good, Bill. How you doing? All right. We're doing fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I know you know Marcus. Uh, you've, you've talked to him before. I have. Uh, not sure if Ron's going to join right. us tonight or not, but I want to thank you for joining tonight. Um, wow. There's <laughs> just so much to talk about. I mean, there's just <laughs> so much to talk about. Well, what I wanted to kind of start out with here is we're, we'll, we'll, we'll save the Mavic Mini here for a little bit, but I want to st start out with Skydium, okay? Yep. Um, today, and I don't know if you saw this or not, um, they had at, they're advertising for employees, they're paying them twenty dollars an hour. Um, one of the skill sets you need is to be able to solder. Um, you know, uh, you know, and they listed a link to be able to apply for this. So, you know, obviously, it, it has just created such an immense interest right now. I mean, the interest is like off the charts with Skydio too. Yep. So, my thoughts are number one. I assume you pre-ordered, right? Yeah, I got in like uh, eight seconds after they opened up the pre-order. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm pretty high on the list. We'll see. Yeah, that's what. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was, you know, why this drone is, is causing such a stir right now. I mean, you know, I can tell you because I, I created a group. Marcus created a group. Ron did, too. And, and I mean, it's just like I'm getting, you know, 10, 15, 20 people a day join these groups because and, and it's just. What do you think is the number one appeal about the Skydio 2, right? Well, I think um, there's a couple of factors, I think, that are coming into play here, and I'm probably going to get into trouble for saying some of this. But I think I love DJI products. You guys know I fly them. I talk about them all the time. And from an engineering perspective, I take them apart. I look at the components that are put into them. And I can tell you from the build side that they're not cutting corners. So they build a quality product. They really test it well. And I think a lot of people out there love them. But just like any product that's a leading edge product, there are people that don't like them. They don't like the NFZs. They don't like the geofencing aspects of it. Maybe they're not happy about buying from a Chinese company. Maybe they're worried about, uh, I don't know what they're worried about, but 
the consumers are a fickle bunch, right? So they're going to pick somebody else. And Scadio really, I think since the, the GoPro product, the Karma came out, Karma was uh, a hot product out of the gate, number one, because it was a, a big company like GoPro coming out with a drone. It was a competitor to DJI. A lot of people like the underdog. So I think Skydio has taken some of that sizzle and running with that, which is a good thing. I mean, it's a new company and I'm a huge fan of competition in the market space. So I think it drives prices down. It keeps competitors on their toes about new technology. It drives innovation forward. So all those things are positive. The challenge with a company like Skydio though, is that I don't think they expected the overwhelming response that they got for the Skydio 2. And I tell you, it's such a cool looking drone. Now, again, I haven't flown it, so I don't know. I could get it. It could be a total you know, bust when I get the thing. It may not work as well as the videos pretend it does, but I have every confidence that it will. And I think that a lot of consumers out there are saying, I don't want to buy the DJI stuff for whatever reason they've got. Skydio looks like a great alternative. Um, and for me, what's so interesting at, from a base level is that it's, it's a product that's unlike anything on the market today. And I know I raved about it a little bit in the first clip I did, but I feel like what we're seeing, and we see this on a regular basis, is a birth of new technology in a hobby that we all love, right? So I felt like Phantom 4 to Mavic was a major change because it was the first small portable foldable drone that had a brilliant um, chipset inside of it. It could do amazing things. It really kind of shifted the whole industry into that portable drone space and then everybody followed suit, right? So Attel came out with one, Parrot's got one, everybody and his brother's building a folding drone. I think Skydio is a different type of drone, a different class of drone. And I've actually coined the phrase flyer versus follower, right? I think that's a follower class drone where its whole primary purpose is to identify targets that it's going to follow and identify objects around it that it's not supposed to smack into. <laughs> and the brains of that thing are built to do those things really, really well. So for action people that love the GoPro Karma that are just outside climbing mountains and riding skateboards, which I'm not doing. I think it's a good drone to throw up in the air and have them have the drone be the cinematographer to capture that imaging and give you that perfect video. So it's simple to fly. You get controllers with it, which was one of my big drawbacks, I think, on the first version of it is I don't want an entirely autonomous drone. But I think really the buzz around it is, to make this a long story already, is that it's, it's different than DJI, which is a checkbox for a lot of people. It's and I called it brilliant, and I still think it's a brilliant drone that it can do things that other drones can't do on its own. It's autonomous. So in a lot of ways, it's a robot in the sky that follows you, sort of like a Terminator, um, but it's a cool product. So I think that's part of it. So we'll see after the hype wears off if it really bears out. I plan on really spending a lot of time with it, comparing it to other drones. And, you know, I love to take things apart. I've got the Mavic Mini apart on the bench this afternoon, right down to the actual printed circuit board. I put it back together so I could show it to you if you wanted to see it. But um, I, I expect it's going to be a cool drone. So we'll see when it comes out. Marcus, did you have a question for Rick about uh, Skydio? Well, uh, no, other than to mostly agree with him and say that, hey, it's a, it's a su supercomputer that flies, essentially, is what it is. The, the, the one point that I want to make that I believe we're going to see with that drone, and I, I bet you guys are the same way. Have you been jealous when you see those guys do those pull-away shots with their drone? where they back up and they back through a tree and then they go through a bell tower and they go through, you know, really close quarters all the way through that stuff. And it makes for a really cool looking video. Uh, hey, guys like me will be able to do that with the Skydio. So, hey. <laughs> you can do it now with the Mavic, just fly more. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> just uh, practice. I, I would argue that I would run out of talent, but anyway. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I, I like it just from the engineering side of things. I mean, they're using the Jetson chipset in there, and not to get too nerdy, but 
that is a supercomputer chipset. It's got artificial right. intelligence built in. It's got algorithms for probability calculations. Um, the cameras around the outside of it are all input devices for that Jetson chipset. They've even got the latest Qualcomm chipset in there now, which does AI as well. So I don't know. I, I think... I think we're going to be disappointed because it can't possibly live up to the hype that we're all building it up to be. But I think it's going to be the dawn of a new era in drones where they've got the first product on the market that's truly autonomous. And it's going to make great cinematographers out of everybody. Um, so I think for that alone, it's definitely noteworthy. So I'm real excited to get my hands on it. You know, one of the things that I got real excited about, Rick, was, you know, you have you know, if, if you want to three different ways to be able to control that. OK, you have have the beacon. Um, you have the app and then you have, have the controller. And I thought it was, and, and I had talked about this with Marcus and Ron, it was a genius move on Skydio's part to enlist Parrot to do the controller for them. I mean, that, that was just off the charts. Yeah, that's some thoughts on that. So I, I think what they built, I think they learned a lesson on the Skydio one. I think with the Skydio one, they had a prototype, which is really all it was. It was big, it wasn't real portable. It didn't have a controller, which a lot of drone enthusiasts like myself really want a controller. I want thumbs on the joystick. So I think they learned from that. But I think with the second one, they want to be innovative, right? They're a small company. They're outside of San Francisco. And I don't know how many employees they have, but they're in a building the size of uh, Burger King. And it's not gigantic from what I can tell. But they want to be innovative, right? They want to break some ground. So they're coming out with this new Skydio 2. And I really feel like they came out with the beacon as the controlling mechanism and probably tested it with a couple of drone people that are under NDA. Not myself. I'm not. Um, and they said, hey, it's cool, but we need a controller. And then they scrambled and said, well, holy smokes, it runs on modified Wi-Fi. Do we go out and try and reinvent the controller? We're so close to the launch. Can't we just find an off-the-shelf generic controller that we can use that's got enhanced Wi-Fi and tweak the signals to match what we need with the Skydio? And I think that's where they went to Parrot because it wouldn't go to DJI. Obviously, they're a major competitor. They went to Parrot and said, hey, that's a cool controller. It's kind of an off-the-shelf Wi-Fi controller that's really well-designed. Can we work out some kind of partnership? I don't think it was any more stress than that. I think they just had a meeting and said, we need a controller with joysticks on it. Let's go with the Parrot. Um, that makes that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes it easy for them too, because, you know, uh, as you well know, you know, in terms of cost and startup and being right. able to plan for things like that, I mean, there's a lot that goes into, into all that. So um, it's one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was this, because I've had this asked to me a number of times, is why didn't they make the Skydio 2 um, like the Mavic and have the ability to fold this up because it's a fixed wing drone? Um, you know, I have my own thoughts on that, but I'd, I'd like to hear yours. Yeah, I think there's a lot of levels of engineering involved in the drone business. And people, I don't know, myself included, we get jaded after a while with how amazing these things are. And we come to expect things that are almost, you know, Martian technology. I use that term a lot. but. Again, I keep going back to that Mavic Pro. And when I saw that prototype and I saw some of the leaks back three years ago when the Mavic Pro came out or four years ago, the engineering involved with making a drone that's stable in the air, that folds out and stays folded out with all the controls and balancing and aerodynamics of it is a multi-year project. That's a moon launch kind of thing where you kind of learn from your growth and other technologies and then it all culminates in that product. So that's not something that's easy to do. I think what Skydio did first was to say, look, we can build another folding drone. Parrot did it, Autel did it, Unique did it. They're kind of clones of what the Mavic was, to be honest with you. And I know the Parrot guys out there are going to go crazy. And I love the Parrot and I love the Autel, but they weren't anything really innovative. They were sort of, two years later, their version of a folding drone. But the Skydio guys were going for, I think, that autonomy. They were saying, you know what? Flying a drone can be complicated for the average consumer. 
and the action people want to draw and they can just throw up and have it do these amazing cinematography tricks in the air. Let's go for that. And then we'll worry about portability later on. And from what I've seen, I haven't actually held the drone. It doesn't look that big. It looks like a little smaller than a Mavic fully extended, which I think is still portable. I think you can get it into a nice flat pack and take it with you. I wouldn't be shocked at all if the next version of it comes as a folding drone. So um, we'll see. I don't know if you know, um, Ken Dono, original Dobo, he was out in Vegas and he had a chance to hold it. And he was telling me, he said that the thing that really impressed him the most was the magnetic battery. He yeah. said it was like rock solid on there, that that right. battery's not going anywhere. Because I know a lot of people have said, oh no, here we go again, GoPro Karma, batteries falling out of the sky kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't worry about that. I'm sure they've tested the engineering and I'm, I'm a bleeding edge kind of guy anyway. When there's new tech out, I got to get my hands on it. So I'll trust them that the battery's not going to fall out and conk somebody on the head. But I'm sure there'll be aftermarket kits like there are for everything, accessories that you can put a giant rubber band on it that holds a battery in as sort of a secondary kind of a belts and suspenders type of thing. But um, I, I don't worry about that. I, there are a couple of things that concern me about it, to be quite honest. I'm not a big fan of hand catching and hand launching for a lot of reasons. I mean, if you're an experienced pilot and you do that, that's totally up to you. What worries me is that a lot of those guys talk about that as if it's easy and it's not a big deal. But you got to remember, you're putting your fingers up near basically a Cuisinart that's flying in the air. And if the wind catches it or you reach up too high or you stumble, you know, there's danger there. So with the Skydio, I don't see any way to really land that safely without putting the underside carriage and endangering grass and sand. Even if you land that on a flat surface, there's gonna be dust and stuff kicked up by the props. So that worries me a little bit. Um, so I, there are things that I have to really be careful about. I'm not gonna be critical about it. I mean, I'm still, I don't know, it's, it's like, I don't know how to put it. It's sort of like kissing a pretty girl on the beach and complaining about the sand, right? <laughs> You're missing the point, dude. All right, so I get that. I get that part of it. But, but I, I think um, in general, I think it looks like a fantastic drone. None of us have seen it. Good on Dobo for getting his hands on it. I, I actually was planning a trip out to San Francisco this week. That's why I got to you so late. I was supposed to leave this morning for San Francisco, and I was going to extend that trip a day actually go down to their factory and speak with those guys and try and get them on camera but it just turned out i'm not going this week so maybe next week i'll end up out there and we'll see but we should all have them soon i mean you ordered yours early i'm sure it'll be here right yeah both uh, marcus ron and i were probably writing right in a row as far as our order numbers and yeah. so you, you got to tell the truth bill i talked to you into hitting that button i said oh yeah oh, if you wait if you wait you won't marcus get marcus told me he said you need to do it now and I was at work. I said, I'm, I'm taking my 15-minute break now. And I went out there, boom, I hit the button. Yeah. I wasn't going to mess around with that. No, I think you're going to be fine. And, and even if you fly, you fly it a while and you're like, you know what? It's not quite my Mavic 2. There's going to be a ton of people that are going to be waiting till February or March that would be more than happy to have a build-a-drone review or autographed Skydio drone. <laughs> oh, abs absolutely. Absolutely. Money back. Well, you know, the, 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 the elephant in the room, um, the, the Mavic Mini, it's here. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things Marcus and I were talking right before right before you got on, and you know, they really didn't have. There obviously, there weren't a lot of, if any, surprises when on. Um, I won't call it release day; I'll call it launch day. Yeah. There weren't any any real surprises, but the one surprise was the ordering. Okay, and I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I have. Western fifty one drones. He found it. I found it right away. And, 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 and it kind of like just I was shocked. It said, if you ordered the Flymore kit um, after your payment clear, shipping will take 20 to 25 days. Okay? Yeah. Business days. Business right. days. 
And it was with just without the fly more kit, it was like 10 to 15, which I even thought was excessive. So I jumped over to Best Buy's website yep. and it'll be available for in-store pickup on the 11th. Yep. And, yeah, I'm sure Uncle will have it too. And, and what was so funny was I, I saw Russ got a response back from DJI support. I got a response back from DJI support. Several other ones did. All of them were different. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, I'm like, what is it? And, you know, one of the things, Rick, you know, it, it, DJI has an established supply chain. Okay. Yep. They're, 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 you know, they're embedded here, you know, and, and I know my, the district DJI distribution center is in Atlanta. I know there's one up by you. I know there's one in the Midwest. I know there's one out West. I mean, they learned their lesson from 2016 with the Mavic Pro. Yeah, they did. They weren't going to make that mistake again. So, you know, what I found odd was, you know, their, their language in it was basically what they basically were saying was, well, this is going to be a drone. This is a different type of market than their other drones. And what was, was the whole gist of the answer that I got from them. And one of the other answers was, you know, it was launched, but it wasn't released. Okay. So, you know, it's just, I, I, you know, one of the things, and Marcus and I kind of agree on this. I wish they would have been very crystal clear saying, you know, we're launching it. It won't be, it won't start being available until the 11th kind of a right. thing, you know? Yep. I wish they would have been more clear on that. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, uh, I, I, I feel that pain. I've been involved with, um, I mean, we know each other pretty well. I've been involved in engineering my entire career. I work for Hewlett Packard, Hitachi, a bunch of big companies, and I've actually built products from the breadboard all the way up through production. And I can tell you that when you get close to launching a product, there's so many things last minute that have to happen between marketing and pricing and shipping and all kinds of certifications that have to happen. The FCC is involved. If you have a transmitter, you've got all the uh, electrical certification agencies that have to make sure that it's safe and it's not going to shock somebody. So you try to get all those done. But the problem is when you do those in a lot of cases, even though you have that NDA in place with those testing agencies, there are regular people working at those agencies. And when you have such a product like DJI, where everybody wants to know about it, somebody's going to talk. So that's where those leaks come from. Also, when you ship those products to retailers, you got to get them to them weeks in advance of the release. The only way Best Buy can sell it to you on the 11th is they're in the warehouses, their main distribution warehouses, weeks, maybe months before that relaunch date. And then they've got to truck them to stores and you've got people handling those boxes that are taking pictures of them, opening them up, looking at them. So it's impossible to keep that kind of stuff under wraps. But I think the delay, quite honestly, is a lot of their fault, maybe. Um, but but also this whole nonsense going on with China right now, because we buy a lot of products. We have products manufactured in China. We started building a lot of Drone Valley products ourselves. And even the manufacturers that I use over there built some of our products, whereas a couple of maybe six months ago, it would take me a week or two. And I knew what the process was. And there were no issues getting through customs, having things built. Because of that embargo that's going on with all the tariffs that are out there, it's like a train wreck trying to get through customs. And that backs everything up in China. And everything they make is sort of a bunch of different parts that come from different factories in China. So somebody builds the charging hub, somebody else builds the battery, somebody else builds the controller assemblies, right? The camera comes from another company. So just imagine that sort of, you know, matrix of companies that are all impacted by the embargo and the manufacturing aspects of it. I'm not trying to make an excuse for them because they should have known better, quite honestly, but I, I totally understand what their pain point is. And I guarantee you there are meetings going on right now at their headquarters where people are talking at pretty high levels about, you know, how could this happen? with a consumer product that we wanted up by Christmas, how could we not have these things ready to go in large quantities? Well, so. you know, both, both Marcus and I, we, we both said the same thing when we watched your first video. 
Rick, you, you were like a 10-year-old on Christmas morning. I, still, I, mean, I was out flying it today. I still am. I shouldn't be this excited over it. Well, you know, no. And, and see, and, and that's the thing I think a lot of people miss. You know, you don't get, uh, and, and I'm sorry, I'll pick on Casey Neistat. Casey right. doesn't know me. I don't know Casey, but you're not going to get that from Casey, okay? I don't know if you saw his. When he got his, he was sitting on a concrete picnic table, and he shook the whole box out with the, everything in it, okay? I don't know. <laughs> I was just, just like, style. that's what he does. It's typical right? Casey, okay? It's just, just, just typical yeah. Casey. But, but no, you know, one of the things why I think people, why I, I, I first gravitated towards your channel and started watching you ad nauseum was, you know, you're not about clickbait. You're about, you want, you, you're, you're looking at the product, you're giving us the details of it. You get down and dirty as far as the details and the te the technical aspects of it, right. and I think that's why you're that that's why people love your channel, Rick, because you know you you don't hold anything back. You tell us everything about it, and and your series has been fantastic. I loved your one on the uh, when you got when you when you lost it in the grass. Oh man, <laughs> that was a tough night. That was yeah. a really tough night. And I was I was like, should I even put that up? I don't know. Yeah, I probably should because people are going to lose the drone. They're going to want to try and find it, but. I don't know if I've ever been that panicked because, as I said in the video, <laughs> picture it. It's the second day I have it. I've only flown it through three batteries, right? And I got a little bit left in the battery. It's getting a little bit dark. I'm probably 30 minutes from home. The wife just called and said, hey, dinner's on. You're going to be home soon. Yeah, honey, I'll be home soon. And I, like a jerk, I put it back up to 200 feet <laughs> thinking I'm going to get this perfect swoop shot because I did it twice before. And that third time, I'm clipping the top of the grass, and I'm just grinning like a kid. And all of a sudden, I got to tumble in the video, and I'm like, <laughs> oh no and I, I knew it was down there somewhere but that field is like 20 acres you know 10 this way 10 that way and it's in 10 acres of tall grass and i'm like oh man please let this have to find the drone function and sure enough it worked so i thought That's yeah awesome. i probably should do a clip on that so people understand how that works that was that was perfect yeah. hey bill yes sir marcus go for you it you want me to you want me to embarrass rick and tell him my osmo uh, mobile three story go for yeah, it yeah definitely tell me uh, uh, well here, here's here's the deal Rick, I, I, when, when, when the Mobile 3 was introduced, I thought, what do I need with another gimbal? I've got a, 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 a Hero 7 Black. Yeah. I've got an Osmo Pocket. What do I need a gimbal for? I watched your video, <laughs> and boy, did I understand how come I needed this thing and went right out and bought it. And it's my go-to device right now, uh, you know, along with the, with the iPhone 11 and the camera on this. Right. Put it together with this guy. Yeah. Holy cow! What a tool. Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and they really, I think they really improved it in a lot of different ways and make it incredibly functional and portable. More importantly, and I did and a trip down. Easy to use. Yeah, so simple. And I love the active tracking on there where it can follow you around. So you're doing your videos in the field. Put the thing on a tripod. You can talk to it and move around. It's going to follow you, and it's just fantastic. I think they've got a really good product on their hands there. Yeah. Mark, anyway. DJI uh, the, owes you for selling that thing to me. I guess that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, you should blame me if it was terrible, too. So it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. Rick, yeah. one of the things that, that we noticed, and, and I got to say this, Marcus noticed it right away when we when we saw that the Best Buy had, had the leak as far as their ad was concerned. Yep. And they had, you know, had DJI fly. Uh, and, and I go, that's interesting. That's not does not say DJI go for. How do you like the app, Rick? 
I do. And I think I probably should say this now because we're going to get into it eventually. I, I think a lot of people see this drone through the wrong lens. I think there are a lot of flyers out there that fly very sophisticated drones today, Mavic 2, whatever it happens to be, Phantom, Autel Evo, Parrot Bebop, or I should say Parrot Anafi. And they look at this and think, oh, it doesn't have the features I want. Why would I even care about that? It's a joke. It's a toy. But really talking to DJI, because I've been under NDA with him for over a month, when I first talked to him about this drone, I'm like, what? I always care about what market are you trying to penetrate with this drone? Why would you release a drone like this? It's different than the others, but why? What was the engineering thought behind putting this kind of product out? And they explained it very simply. They said there are a small bubble of people, you and I, and all three of us included, that are super nerdy that fly drones and they get it. But that's like 0.5% of the public that do that. And we live in this bubble where we talk about specs and speeds and feeds and all the other stuff about it. You know, it's like a car guy that understands cars and we're gonna argue about cubic centimeters and the engine and the carburetor. So we get that and we're kind of in a bubble. But the other 99.5% of the public that wants to fly doesn't wanna deal with that stuff. They want a very simple product to use they can take on vacation. It's small, it's portable, they can charge it easy over USB-C or in this case micro and just put it up and fly. And they looked at the drone and they looked at the application and they said, the drones are built for people like us, the nerds, right? The 0.5%. And there's way too many knobs and buttons and dials in there for the average consumer to figure it out. They don't want to mess with any of that stuff. And the application outside of the technology, the application is complicated to figure out all the things that are on the screen that are going on. People just throw up their hands. So I'm sure they did a lot of testing, you know, with consumers saying, you know, what would you like? What do you need? This and that. And they wrote the application to sort of marry up perfectly with the drone. So the drone is incredibly simple to fly, but I said in the clip, and I'll still stand by this, that it's way sophisticated for the money they're charging for it. It's got 90%, maybe 85%, I'm, I'm pushing it a little, of what I get out of a Mavic in a Mavic Mini. The stability on it, the speed, the control, the response to it, the connection, the telemetry, everything about it is like flying a Mavic Pro, but it's tiny. And okay, the camera's only shooting 2.7K. That's good enough for me. 1080p at 60 is good enough for me. Two and a half miles, I'm not going to go that far. So if I get 1,000, 1,500 feet out of it, put it in my pocket and walk off, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So when it comes to the app, it's simpler. It's a lot easier to use. For example, just giving one example, I'm going to do a walkthrough on the channel with it. Where we today fire up a drone, then you can bring up a map and see where you are compared to where NFZs are around you. And you can sort of, if you have to move a half a mile this way, you can move. This app doesn't have that. So when you first fire up the drone, it does a real quick check to see if you're in an NFZ or not. If you're in an NFZ, it won't let you take off. If you're not, it's like safe to fly, have fun. So that's cool, right? So the consumer knows immediately, am I near a military base or an airport? Maybe I shouldn't take off. But even better than that, in the application, they built what I'll call hotspots around you, where if you can't fly where you are, you can open up another page and it'll tell you, here's a cool place to fly. Here's a scenic place you can fly. So you can look at that app and go, well, geez, a half a mile that way, we can be over there by the park and fly all we want. So they're trying to make it really consumer friendly. But again, I know people when they see the app that are used to DJI Go 4 are going to go, well, how come I don't have this control? And why can't I vary that aspect of it and stuff? But it really wasn't built for that crowd. It was built for the vast majority of consumers that want to buy a drone, but don't want to deal with all the nerdy stuff that we have to deal with to get the thing up in the air. So I hope that makes sense. But yeah, that, that does. Um, yeah. One of the things that I've seen, and I've seen it on yours, I've seen it on on Kelly, Ready, Set, Drones, and also seen on Hey Kestaloo, is, you know, how it performs in the wind. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, seriously, I, I cannot believe how stable that is in the wind, being at phenomenal. 249 grams. It's phenomenal. It was the first thing I tested because the two questions I had out of the gate was, 
how's it going to perform in wind? Because I'm going to put it up in windy conditions, right? So I care that it's stable in the wind. It's not going to get buffeted around because you put smaller drones up in the wind, man. They're a slave to that breeze. Wherever the wind goes, the drone's going, it's in a tree and you're, you're done. This thing has got such good stability control in it based on the IMUs and all the technology built into it that I had it at about 25 mile an hour wind sitting at the edge of a lake and I've got the camera focused on it where the drone is shifting like this and shaking, like fighting to stay in its position. And the camera image has got the horizon on it rock solid. So that three axis gimbal is doing everything it can to compensate and anticipate how that jog is going to happen to keep that image stable. Now, the one thing it can't correct for, which is, I guess, kind of the fourth dimension, right? It can correct left and right, up and down. It can't correct forward and back because there's no autofocus in there. So when it does get pushed back a quarter of an inch, you do notice that in the video a little bit, but I'm totally fine with that. And, and I wouldn't be flying in that wind anyway most times, but I was blown away by the stability of it. It's really an incredibly stable drone. Yeah, and you know, the other thing, the thing that I, I was really pleased about was having a three-axis gimbal on there. I mean, yeah. you know, because, you know, you, you look at it compared to the Spark and, you know, um, you know, the Spark's tried and true. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'll say that, yeah, that's all right? Spark. That's a, a killer drone, that Spark, yeah. You know, but it doesn't have that three-axis gimbal. And having that three-axis gimbal just makes a big difference, Rick. Yeah, totally agree. That's why I'm saying it's like, I made the joke, it's like they left it, they took a Mavic Pro and left it in the dryer too long because it, it really is a Mavic Pro that's just shrunk down like a sweater would be, you know, well, where you've got this great little package. What you guys are touching on is the big deal to me. And, and I came late to the game with the Spark. I already had a Mavic too. And, you know, they put them on sale a while back, so, ah, you know, I bought a Spark. I discovered the value of that drone when I had it. And that is you're getting on a plane, you're going yep. someplace. It is so easy to take with you. It's so easy to deploy, yep. so easy to retrieve. And that is what I'm really looking forward to with the Mavic Mini. It's going to be the drone I take with me where, whenever I'm getting on an airplane and going someplace. I totally agree. And I, I found I'm exactly like you where I found I travel almost every week somewhere in the country or outside of the country. And I would always want to go like I'm going to California, I'm going to be in San Francisco, I'm going to Utah, wherever I'm going. I'm thinking, man, I bring in that drone because I'm going to have an afternoon where I'm not in meetings and I got a rental car. I can drive anywhere I want to, but I got to bring that Phantom 4 with the big suitcase size thing. It's got to go through check-in and everything else. And I just, you know, I'm like, is it really worth the hassle? Like, okay, I've been to Cali a couple of times. Do I really want to drag it along? With this guy, I'm going to tease you a little bit. With this guy, it's it's that small. It's tiny. I mean, this this is takes up less room in my bag than my, my shoes do. So it's in my bag everywhere I go, right in the plane with me. And I never have to think about, should I bring it? Maybe I don't use it, but I don't care. It's not like I brought it along and oh, what a pain, you know, Phantom 4 and I didn't even fly it. So I totally agree with you. That's what it's built to do. Now, hey Rick, have you been using, I, I, so I know you're, uh, I know you, you have an iPhone with yep. it. Um, do you have an iPhone? Um, how big's your phone? Do you have an iPhone 11? I been, no, I don't have the latest. I have the one generation back from that. Okay, how big is it? How big's your uh, iPhone? As big as as big as they get. I don't even. Okay. Know. It's over on the floor. Okay. No, yeah. what I was going to ask was, how does that fit this in the controller? <laughs> it fits in totally. It's it's uh, the controller will take a six point three inch width and a third of an inch thick, so it'll take that phone no problem whatsoever. It'll even take the iPad Mini four. Okay, so, uh, great, fantastic. Yeah, top tech questions. Yeah, I did see that. I yeah. did see that on your video. That's fantastic because I have, I still have my Mini 4. So yeah, I love I it. That's what I use when I fly most days. Yeah, well, but the only see, thing is you need a longer cable, right? That cable won't fit. Well, see, I'm a rebel here. This is my Note 10 Plus. 
Yeah, so, I like Android too. I do. I just, I'm, I don't know. Apple's what they give us at work, so I use it. But this, Android, you know, Android, I, I, already, I, I just did a video. Yeah, I, I get it from Marcus and Ron all the time because they're <laughs> Apple aficionados and yeah. say that, you know, that I'm on the dark side here with Android. So I'm, I'm good on both. I don't mind. <laughs> but this actually worked. And what was interesting was I put a video out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I used it with, with the Mavic 2 Pro. And it was the first, and I realized something when, when I did the video, because I had to bind the controller back to the Mavic 2. Right. It was the first time that I flew the Mavic 2 without the smart controller since I got it, since May. Okay. I've been, fly, I've been using a smart controller the whole time with the Mavic 2. It was the first time, because I wanted to test this out. It was the first sure. time I, I used the other controller. I'm like, my gosh, it's been that long. <laughs> it was just like. A... <laughs> yeah, mine's getting, mine's getting dusty, too. It's on the bench downstairs, because hey. that smart controller is so cool. I just want to add to that. So one of the things that I really noticed with the 11 yep. uh, was, so I had a 10S before this, and what the struggle I had with that thing was I would be out, and as soon as it got a little warm, that screen would start to dim, almost to the point that you lost FPV altogether. Right. Uh, so I tried a bunch of, I, I've got a Mini 4. I had a, uh, I ended up buying a uh, uh, Crystal Sky and and he and I even struggled with the crystal sky because it was heavy and yeah, yeah. so forth. I'm telling you, this 11 800 nits. It, I mean, so far it's been cooler weather, of course. So I can't say for certain, but it is just crystal clear and it's bright. And you know, as a drone flyer, that's a big deal to me. Yeah, now I'm with you. I, I think if I didn't have a smart controller, I'd have to do something possibly to upgrade, but. You know, the budgets get out of control because just when you think you're set and you can put some money in the bank, then Skydio shows up and then I got to buy a Skydio drone. Right? So, That's exactly right. Yeah. Rick, um, I get one question yeah. that I have for you about, about the Mavic Mini is what what's um, what's your favorite feature on it? What, what do you um, like the best about it? Yeah, I tell you, I what I really am impressed by is just the control. I mean, when I fly. I, I do a lot of, like you do, a lot of aerial photography, which means I'm, I don't fly very far. I typically am close to a subject, but I'm a lot of times in a hairy situation where I'm around trees or branches or things like that or over water. And I really need to feel comfortable that that drone's going to do what I say it's going to do when I say it to do it. Now, one of the beefs I have with a lot of the other drones, especially the less expensive ones, is there's that lag between what I'm telling it to do and what the drone actually does. And that can be deadly because if I'm close to a tree and I tell it to turn to go this way, and it takes a second or two to respond, the tree swings down and hits it. So I, I love that synchronicity, for lack of a better term, between the controller and the drone. The delay is almost instantaneous response from what I tell it to do. Um, I, I also like, I guess I like the simplicity of it. I mean, it is, I, I sound like a commercial for it, but it's literally 30 seconds, no IMU calibrations, no ca compass calibration seems to be very forgiving in that space. 30 seconds from the case, batteries in it, and fly it. And you're up, you're up in the air. And Again, I've put it up against the Mavic Pro, and I'm not going to say it's a Mavic Pro. It isn't. Obviously, it's a way better drone, way more sophisticated, and probably three times the price. Um, but for 50% of what I shoot, that Mavic Mini is going to be perfect. But you know, beyond that, I mean, they've got some quick shot features in there that are great for new flyers. To First time they fly it, they can hit a button and have it do all these aerial shots that really impress people. Um, they've also changed the app to give you sort of better editing control inside the application. So if you're, a, again, a new person for flying, you're not, you're not sitting home with a big desk with a widescreen monitor and Premiere running where you're doing all these editing tricks. In there, they give you the ability to sort of, again, automatically pick the best parts of your shots. 
cut those, put those into a reel with an introduction, with titling, with music in the background that's free, and then immediately post that to social media. So I think, and in some ways this is good and bad, but I think it's going to become that $400 stocking stuffer for a lot of kids out there that are, you know, the 14, 15 year olds that have to have a drone and they're going to be putting this stuff all over YouTube, which is going to be great because I think it's the more people that fly drones, the less people that are afraid of drones, which is good for all of us. Uh, so conversely, what surprised you or what, what, what would you say that you would like to have seen that DJI didn't, didn't do? Yeah, if I picked on one thing, because I know it's capable of doing this, it would be the quality of the image. I, I don't know why they didn't do 4K. They've got a one over 2.3 inch sensor. From what I can tell inside, they've, they've blacked out a lot of the chips. So I can't really get numbers off of most of them, but they've got a Qualcomm processor in there. Most of those Qualcomms will push 4K no problem, right? And 2.7 at 30 is, you know, could have been 60, probably should have been 4K at 30. So if they would have tweaked anything, it would be that. But I understand technology versus pricing versus marketing, right? Because marketing pressures, the more I add to that Mavic Mini, the less exciting the Mavic Air becomes, right? Because that's that's kind of the 4K standard. So if I put 4K here at 400 bucks, and this is an $800 or $900 drone, then, you know, how do I separate those in the market? So I get it. But that would be one thing I would change. I will tell you, there's a ton of innovation in this beyond just the drone. Like when I look at it, you haven't seen the, the whole thing yet, but there's a charging hub that comes with it. And I kind of talked about this originally in the first clip. They could have just built the charging hub like they built forever, right? But they didn't. They built one that their engineers sat down and said, okay, we're going to be selling this new style of battery, which by the way, isn't a smart battery. The battery itself is naked and the smarts are now inside the drone. So we're going to build these batteries. How do we charge them? Can we put a hub out there and charge them? Yeah, no problem. We can work on that. Well, wouldn't it be cool if we could have that hub protect those batteries when you're traveling? Yeah, we can do that. Oh, by the way, while those batteries are discharged, maybe 25, 30%, together they represent quite a bit of potential. Can't we have that hub also use that extra potential to supply power to charge something else? Yeah, we could do that. So when you slide those half depleted batteries into that hub, it becomes a battery bank. And it's got a full-size USB-A connection on the side that I can connect up to my phone or my controller or anything and charge it. So those kind of little innovative things you don't need to do that. I mean, you're, you're first to market with a sophisticated drone at a $400 price point. You could have gotten by with a lot less innovation. So I look at stuff like that. And I know, again, I get spanked all the time for being a DJI fanboy, but I'm a fan of technology. When people take the extra time to do that kind of engineering into their products, and, you know, it's hats off for me. I think that's a great thing. You know, I think one of the questions that I got pretty much ad nauseum was, Oh, well, if I, I, I add the cage onto it, it's going to go over 249 grams. And, you know, oh, you know, it's like people are pulling their hair out. Yeah. And, and here's my advice. And I think Marcus, I think Marcus and I had, had, had kind of talked about this. Okay. You know what? Get your $5 out, pay the FAA, register yeah. your drone. Numbers going on there. And put the number on there. Okay. Because for us here in the United States, that's, that's all that is. Okay. That's all. And, and that's one of the points I think. Um, a, a lot of us as drone reviewers, we got a lot of questions on what was, was about the registration, but the one thing that we really wanted to drive home, and I know I've driven this home pretty well, and I know Marcus and Ron have as well, was saying, you know what, you know what, this does not exempt you from rules. This doesn't mean you're free to do stuff that you can't, that you can't do with your Mavic or your, your Phantom. Okay. You know, that's one of the things that, that we really had, had to drive home. Now, where it really does make a difference is in other countries, like, for example, Canada, yep. because I know up there, um, you know, I have a, my good friend, Lauren, who's in the chat right now. 
you know, you have to not only register your drone, but you have to get your pilot certificate as well. Right. Too. This eliminates you from having to do that. So, you know, and, and I'm sure it's, it's like that in other countries too, like over in the UK and Europe and so forth. So that's why this is a really big deal. That's why I've been trying to emphasize to other people. It's not just the United States. It's right. around the world where this is a really big deal. No, you're right on the money. And, and I, we tend to look at it very myopically because we're in the US, right? So people always think, well, we're right in the border of 250. Why would I register it? But I've been an advocate of registering it ever since it came out because I feel like it's the right thing to do. It's $5, five minutes online, and you're done with it, right? And I always, I get a little queasy when people start. I mean, I totally understand the whole freedom thing where it's my backyard, I should be able to fly where I want and this and that. I get that. I totally respect that. But if the rules are such that they say, register for $5 and you can fly in these particular areas, just get it over with, right? I register my boat, I register my dog, my car. I think I registered my wife when we got married. So all that stuff is they're there for a reason. So they know that people are flying a drone and it crashes on somebody and knocks them out and they've got a registration number and they can go find the knucklehead that did that. So I think that's important. I think it's also important the FCC and FAA know how many people are actually flying because we as a group really have a voice with them. They listen. They're one of the few agencies in the government that really listens to the industry and the hobby and is trying to balance that really delicate um, seesaw they've got between safety and freedom, right? And I think they're doing a great job at that. And I, I've been an advocate of registering. And honestly, if you register and put the label on, you'll be over the 250 grams just with the label. So just get it done and fly it. The, the other thing, Bill, I got to say, and this is, I'm going to call Hey Hayat on this one, is I've, I've gotten so many requests for distance tests on this product. And I, I just shake my head with that. I mean, the two things that come up again and again on the channel, and I know I'm going to get grief for this, are NFZs. Why are there NFZs? It's so stupid. I'll fly wherever the hell I want. And my argument against that is, if you're telling me I can't be in a particular area, whether it's on the ground or the air, why do I need to go in that area, right? If I'm breaking the law to go there, I get you can break the law. People do it all the time. I speed occasionally. I'm breaking the law by doing that. But why would I want to do that, right? So NFZs just protect you from inadvertently flying into an area that you don't know maybe place you can't be because you can't see a fence in the sky. So the only reason you'd want a drone that doesn't have NFZs in it is because maybe you do want to fly there. So you're kind of telling me you're you're looking to break the rules. So that one bothers me. But the long distance one bothers me even more. And, and how I just did a clip, I guess he caved the pressure of long distance. Like people ask me all the time, how far will it fly? Two and a half miles. Why do you need to know that? You can only fly as far as you can see it. And I'm getting older. So for me, 1,000, 1,500 feet is probably the limit of where I can see this thing. It'll safely fly that distance. I've had it out that far, no issues whatsoever with connections or image streaming problems, but they want us to fly two and a half miles. And I just can't get past, like, hey, just posted a clip where he's flying, I think two and a half miles, or I think over the Hudson. I, I want to comment on the clip and go, what are you doing? Like, you're somebody in the industry where new flyers are going to go to your channel to see this drone, and you're showing them and filming the fact that you're breaking the law by flying two and a half miles with that drone. There's no way you can see that drone at two and a half miles away. Right. So that frustrates me because I feel like if you're out there and you're putting up YouTube channel uh, clips about your drone and how you fly it and all the rest of this stuff, there are tons of people, 99.5% of the public that don't fly presently that are going to be looking at YouTube to get their recommendations and experience and behavior patterns that they're going to dictate based on what they see. And if they see you flying the drone two and a half miles, they're going to think it's okay. So I know that's controversial to say that, but I, I really had to, had to say that because, man, I, you know, there's... It's a dangerous thing to do that, especially over the Hudson or wherever he was up there in New York. Yeah, you know, one of the things, Rick, I'm I'm like you as well. For me, I'm at about fifty at about fifteen hundred feet. That's that's my limit. 
as far as far as visually being able to see see my drone. And you know, the the thing that I've always cared about was have I got that strong signal? Can right. I still can I still see where the drone, you know, from the FPV view? And the answer is yes. That's what I care about. You know, like I said, right. my limit's what? About about fifteen hundred. Um, sometimes I'll go to two thousand, especially depending upon, you know, the, you know, weather conditions here in Florida change all the time. And if sure. it's in, and the sky is is such I can I can probably even go to two thousand feet and still see it. Yeah. But beyond that, you know, for me, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Marcus, did you have any questions for Rick? About yeah, I got a technical question for for Rick. Uh, so you you touched on the lithium ion batteries in the mini. So I guess it's kind of a, a two part question. A is 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 lithium ion at, safer than lipo? And and B lithium ion I've, and all I know is what I read, but I understand that you can leave a lithium ion battery charged and it won't hurt it like it will a lipo battery. And C why would why did DJI choose lithium ion over uh, polymer lithium polymer? Okay, yeah, so that's a lot of detail there. So. They are different. I, I believe these are uh, lithium ions, which I believe inside there, and I haven't hacksawed one of these apart yet, but from the form factor and the weight of it, and I kind of compared it to standard 18650s, which are really common lithium ion batteries that are used for a lot of those high powered flashlights and other things. I think what they've got is a pair of those inside there, or at least uh, constitute that when they put it together. Um, you're right about it. You can leave them charged longer. What happens with lithium polymer batteries is that the the barrier between those two chemicals that are inside there will break down over time if you leave them charged. And little things, and I've done clips on this, little things called dendrites, and I don't know why these form, but they form on both opposite poles and eventually work their way through. They're actually uh, holes that develop through that polymer, through that insulator between them. And once those touch, then they start to short the battery out. So the way you minimize those dendrites from growing is to keep the battery at about a 15 to 20% charge. Any more than that, and you're in danger of creating those dendrites, which are trying to eliminate the charge inside the battery to get to each other. Uh, it isn't the same with the lithium ion. So you're a little bit better to keep it fully charged in lithium ion. Um, I think they shifted to lithium ion based on price because the polymers are more expensive. And I think they were doing everything they could. And I mentioned this before, most times you have a seesaw between price and functionality. And I've been involved in those fights and they are fights where marketing will say, it's too expensive, pull some features out. The engineers will say, we can build features in, we'll just make it a couple of bucks more. So you're always fighting price versus features. They have a third leg. So it's like a seesaw that can pivot in every direction where they got to go with weight. So they had to keep it under 249 grams. So I think they looked at the batteries and said, if we go for lithium polymer, the energy density in those is not quite as great, which means it's going to be a heavier battery to get to 30 minutes of flight time, which was the metric they were going for. And I, uh, I think they went for the lithium ion because of that. So I think it's, it was a price decision to go to it. In some ways, it's better than the lithium polymer because you can leave them charged. Um, you know, that's I think that's where it's at. So if I'm on a, if I'm getting on an airplane, am I okay to leave that lithium ion charged? You can. They're not going to give you a hard time about it. I've never, and I take I've taken hundreds of flights with drones. I've never had them check the levels of the battery ever, ever. Right. I don't think they even know they can. And yeah. honestly, with this one, you can't unless it's in the hub because the battery doesn't have a button on it to show you the three or four bars. It has to be in the drone or in the hub to do that. Um, I wouldn't suggest that. I'd always keep them 50% or less when you fly, just to be safe. Or you don't want to be that jerk where your phone blows up and everybody's everybody's pointing yeah. at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rick, one of the things that I really like a lot is what they've done with accessories for, for the Mavic Mini. Yeah, it's um, kind of cool. They, they really, I, I mean, I think 
you know, as I've said before, and, and I'm sure you'll agree, DJI constantly evolves. They constantly look at what they can do better and how they can th th do things, you know, differently. And I really like what they've done as far as accessories, you know, um, you know, not only with the fly more kit, but that charging globe, if you want to call it that, where yeah. you dock that you, you can put it in um, the accessories kit that, that you can have, you, that you can have with this, um, you know, just, but, but the one thing I think that frustrates me, and I think Marcus will probably agree is, you know, you go to look at them on launch day and, or on, on yeah, on launch day, yeah. they're not available yet. They're still, you know, they're still not available, but I think that's, that's a great thing. And I think DJI is heading in the right direction as far as those kind of accessories are concerned. No, I totally agree. And, you know, we have the Drone Valley website. We sell a ton of accessories as well. And I, I find that, you know, when you get something, there's always ways to make it better or more fun or a little safer. And I think accessories allow you to do that because when you're building a product, the engineering teams are so focused, so laser focused on tightening up the product, getting it out in the market, making sure it's successful with no bugs or issues that they have to worry about. God forbid there's a hardware issue that they got to recall it and fix something. So I think they're so focused on that. But then the marketing teams, which are kind of driving the accessory space, start looking at it going, this, this, to be honest with you, is a drone, but it's also a lifestyle product. So when they looked at it, they said, younger people are going to buy this typically because their entry into the drone market starts when you're 14 or 15 typically. But even younger adults would buy it. How can we make it cool, right? How can we customize it? So there's a kit out. I'm going to do a clip on it tomorrow that allows you to snap a cover on it. And you can color the inside of the cover with stickers and all kinds of things like that. And it becomes your drone. It's different than everybody else's drone. That fishbowl display case that's the charger is exactly the same thing. So if you've got a younger person flying it and they've got that on their bureau, they pop their drone in it. Now their friends can see what the drone looks like, but it's protected behind the glass. So I think they're really thinking it through from a lifestyle perspective. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's that's what they're designing the drone to be. It's, it's a fun drone for people that are just getting into droning to make it easy. Well, I can, I can say this, and I think you'll agree, and I know Marcus will agree. I think they are they – are, well, my friend from up in Canada, Lauren, said the pre-orders have gone through the roof, and I think it surprised DJI. I think it's going to sell – it's, it's going to fly off – literally fly off the shelves for the holiday. Well, yeah, I agree with you. Totally. I totally agree. This will be by far their most popular drone they've ever released. I'm surprised it took them this long to do it, to be honest with you, because well, that market was woefully underserved. When you think about – all the drones that were in that space, and I'm not going to name companies, but I, I'm lucky that I get a lot of companies contact me to do clips and they want to send me gear. And I'll say, sure, send me the drone and I'll try it out. And I'm telling you, Bill, like 99 out of 100 of them, I'll take them out in the field, I'll power them up, I'll sync up the controller, I'll put it up in the air, and 30 seconds later, it's drifting so much that I have to chase it across the field to get it back. And when I get the drift done, the battery's dead. <laughs> Put the second battery in, same drifting exercise. They're just horrible. And I, I don't have the stomach to put a clip together to go, for the love of God, do not buy this drone and show people this is the drone you don't want. I can't be that guy. So what I do is I sit down and I write a nice little letter saying, hey, thanks for sending it over here. It's just these things are really goofy. You want to fix them before you release it to the public. And then I send it back to them. So to have a drone like this, you can power up and have GPS coordination, GLONASS on it. It's got VIO sensors and time of flight sensors on the bottom. This thing, you put it up in the air and it stays right where you put it. You can fly it, it stops when you tell it to stop. It's quick to respond. Like this is an entirely new style of drone for that entry level class that it just blows everything else away in that space. So, and I know Unique's gonna come at me hard because they've got their, their new product out, which is kind of cool, but it's, it's not this, this is something different. All right. Got a twenty twenty is around the corner, okay? And you know everybody said you know twenty nineteen was really 
uh, as far as the consumer drone space was kind of meh for the most part. Um, you know, and then we're seeing a flurry of activity here near the end of the year with Unique, with the yep. G, you know, with Skydio and now with DJI. Um, what do you see coming in 2020? What do, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I think you'll, um, and again, I don't have any inside information. Like my NDA now that they've announced the Mavic Mini is expired. I have no existing NDAs. I can talk about anything you want to talk about. And I can speculate like crazy. And I, again, I have no inside information in case DJI ever edits this clip. Um, or audits it. So I think you're going to see a bunch of things. Now, one thing I think that crippled, I guess in a good way, DJI was that they have been feeling a lot of back pressure about drones, right? Because as more drones get in the sky, everybody worries about, oh my gosh, there's going to be trouble with drones. How do we control drones? So what DJI did, and they're always on the leading edge of these kind of safety initiatives, is they said, look, if we can put ADS-B in our drones, right? That would mean that the drone operator now knows where other airplanes that are equipped with ADS are in the sky. So if I'm flying, maybe over the horizon, there's a plane coming that I can't hear yet or see yet, and it's a good time for me to bring it down from 400 feet, just in the off chance that they're gonna fly low. So that decision for them to put ADS-B in any drone over 250 grams, and when they made that announcement, that should have been a clue that they were coming out with a smaller drone because he called out 250 grams. I was thinking, they don't make a drone under 250. Hmm, that's interesting, right? So sure enough, boom, they had one. But the ADS thing slowed them down because I don't think engineering, I think there was probably a screech in the engineering factories when they heard, what did he just say? You know, ADS-B, hold on a second. That's not part of the engineering plan. So I think that slowed everything down. So when people say, why didn't they come out with a, a follow-up to any of the drums in 2019? I think that's the catalyst for why things were delayed. Now saying that, 2020, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see a follow-on to the Mavic, I mean, to the uh, Mavic Air. So I would say a Mavic Air 2 will probably come out um, sometime next year. Uh, the Mavic 3, I think, is is a foregone conclusion at this point. They can't not respond to what Skydio 2 is doing with that drone. They can't sit by and let that drone gobble up market share. Now, I know for a fact that they've, conversationally, they've sort of talked about this autonomy of having extra cameras around the outside, having additional VIO stuff built into the drone. I don't know if it'll rise to the level of what Skydio is doing today, because, again, that's their second generation of that autonomous flying. But I, I fully expect that the Mavic 3 will have a ton of autonomy built in, probably A-Pass 2, which is the updated version of what they've got in the air today. Because for me, I'm thinking that Mavic 2, you probably agree with me, that Mavic 2 is the perfect drone. Like, I don't know why I would ever spend another nickel on a Mavic 3. What could they give me? Invisibility? Like, what could they build into the drone outside of maybe a swappable camera for me to, for me to covet that new drone? I'd need something incredibly sexy for me to go, holy smokes, I got to get that. Now, the nerd in me is going to buy it either way, but the average person's going to look at it and go, yeah, they're not going to go 8K. What are they going to do? So I think that autonomy will drive the Mavic 3 purchases. And, and I think that's coming. Um, I don't think they're done with the RoboMaster stuff either. I love that little robot. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some follow-on stuff coming for that. And in the space of personal imaging, um, I, you know, I've got the Osmo Action. I've got the Osmo Pocket. I use them every day. I'm out someplace with those things equipped to something. Um, I'm sure they'll make improvements in that space. But I think for the drone people watching, um, I would expect a Mavic Air 2, and I would probably expect a, uh, a Phantom, well, I should say Phantom 5, I'll let that go for a minute, but, it, but a Mavic 3, and I don't think they're done with the Phantom platform, so um, I would not be shocked if a Phantom 5 hit, and that'll, in my opinion, will have a swappable camera, different payloads you can add to that, probably different sensors, and those type of things. So that's my speculation. Now, again, I have no idea if any of that's going to come to fruition, but if I'm building it and I'm working for DJI, those four projects are on the board for 2020. 
Hey Marcus, you're gonna have. I, I hope your stock is 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 doing well because you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be busy next year. <laughs> that, that's right. Well, I, I have to tell you, uh, uh, that Nvidia stock is doing just fine for me. So. <laughs> that was a good buy. Yeah, that was a good buy. Yeah, smart well, move there, Rick. I could not agree with you more. You know, especially you know, I know um, uh, my friend Lauren w- was saying the Mavic Three is probably going to be. Um, first quarter is what is what is what he's estimating and you know that that's going to be you know it's going to be again you know marcus has has a mavic 2 he has a zoom um ron has a mavic 2 pro i have the mavic 2 pro you have both of them i mean it's just like you know i I talk to candano a lot about it you know when he's shooting real estate i mean that's his go-to drone when he shoots real estate is the pro me too Um, too. billy i mean he just he says he says the quality on that is just like insane what you get off of that it's it's just it's through the roof and and other people on my on my facebook group i have a fairly large mavic 2 group it's like over four thousand people and you know the the thing i get time and time and time again is the quality of that it's just it's just incredible and you know one of the things i did a series where i you know i kind of took it i i i asked kelly shores before i did this i kind of did like a boxing theme between a fan, my Phantom 4 Pro and the Mavic 2 Pro kind of a thing and yeah. having a lot of fun with that. But one of the things that really impressed me was how the Mavic 2 Pro handles the wind, okay? Because, and, and Marcus Marcus agrees with me. He's, he had his up on a windy day, and you can hear the, the motors compensate for that wind. I mean, yeah. you're 100 foot up in the air. You can still, you can hear, you know, it's compensating. And yet you look at that view that you get, and when you see that video, it's stable. And it yep. just blows me away. It's like 25-mile-an-hour wind, Rick, and it's stable, okay? We're just, you know. And, well, and- yeah, a lot of that comes from uh, with the Mavic 2s and the actual Phantom 4 Pro V2 that you have. They changed the ESC. So the electronic speed controls used to be digital. And with a digital speed control, you're pulsing the motors, and it's really hard in between those pulses to make adjustments. So what you have with the other ones are more analog ESCs, where you can vary the pulse. So it's more of a sine wave than it is a square wave. So when the IMU tells it that it's shaking, instead of it making a jerky motion to try and compensate for it, it can vary the speed of the motors and even vary the phasing, I think, that it's sending to those motors, um, which is a much smoother control. And all those all those technical details are lost on most flyers. They don't, they, why would they care about them, right? They just know that, man, I love that thing in the wind. And that's part of the reason. It's also the reason that it's so damn graceful in the sky compared to the other ones. Like when you fly the old Phantoms, they work great. I mean, they're wonderful. I was flying a Phantom 3 the other day, the Phantom 3 Pro, but they, they're they kind of jerky. They're kind of digital when you're moving them around. Whereas when you get to the Phantom 4s, especially the V2, it's much sexier. God bless you. Much sexier there uh, in the sky than the other ones are. So I, I think Can I they're- pile on just a little bit? What's that? Oh, I, yeah. Let me pile on just yeah, a little sure, bit. Sure. So so one of the things that I try and do on my little channel is, is, is feature some of the lower price drones because I recognize that you know, I, I can afford to go out and buy a Mavic 2, but I understand a lot of people can't. So yep. I fly things like the Hubson Zeno, the Femi X8. It, it it, I've had a lot of fun with that guy. That's yeah, a great drone. Femi X8 SE. And, and of course, one of our, all of our favorites is that Parrot Anafi. Yeah. But I fly those drones. And in fact, I was flying the Anafi today. You got to try racer mode. That's really fun. But anyway, uh, the, the, I fly those, and then I'll get that Mavic 2 out. And it's just like you have an epiphany. You go, oh, yeah, this yeah. is why this is what it is. B- 
because it is so smoother. It is so much easier to control. It, it almost telegraphs what you want it to do. Uh, it, it, that's why you pay what you pay for a Mavic 2. That, that, that's the best way I can say it. And you don't, you, you can lose track of it when you're flying some other drones. And then when you see it back to back, it is really, uh, really comes to light. Marcus, it's funny you said that because I was doing a sound test the other day. I got a clip I'm working on. Those things take forever to compare the different sound profiles of the different drones. But I was doing a clip on the Mavic Mini and how noisy it's compared to three other drones. And I had the Mavic Air, the Spark, and I brought the Mavic 2. So I put the Mavic Mini up first, got some sound samples, put the Mavic, the Spark up, the Mavic Air, and I put the Mavic 2 up. And it was like, wow. You know, it was just, it was that kind of like a wow. You know, it's just the difference and the control and the speed and the, you know, the stability in the air, it was just, it's, it's definitely apparent if you fly other drones, the difference between that and the other drones. Well, machine. No Rick, you've never flown a drone until you fly this one. It's called yeah. the Golden Egg by JJRC, okay? Now, now this has made its way from Brian Singleton from True Drone Reviews, uh -huh. went, to, went to Ron Brown. Then it went to Marcus. <laughs> then it went to myself. Okay. Nice. And all of us have experienced what we call uh, what Ron Brown refers to as the walk of shame. <laughs> <laughs> <Because Where it lands. laughs> this thing has a mind of its own. Okay. <laughs> it's just, I, I swear there is artificial intelligence in here. I just don't know how to access it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. Just had, we've had a blast with it. It's been sitting here in I need to I need to find the next victim or person to yeah. send this to. Yeah. So, um, Marcus, do you have any closing thoughts for for Rick tonight? Well, uh, other than uh, gosh, it's just it's just great to hear your your opinions on this stuff, Rick. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, and I I really value your channel and and uh, what you do. And I'm not kidding. What I said about that mobile three is the absolute truth. I wouldn't have bought that thing had I not watched your 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 review of it and right. i'm and it's not just i'm grateful that i did because it's become a go-to tool for me that's great i'm glad it worked out because again i'd hate for you to be sending me nasty emails going hey what the heck's with this osmo mobile 3 you jerk what are you doing here <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks thanks for that uh, you bet yep and uh bill before i let you go i want to i'm going to push a little bit of tchotchkes here for you i got some gifts for you guys so i'm going to send you a bunch of stuff i got you know we've been building products now the drone valley stuff so we've got, a, we've got this magnetic pocket floodlight out. This thing's phenomenal, 300 lumens. You're going to turn this thing on, your drone's going to drop. So I'm going to send you three of these. Um, and if you want to send me Marcus's address, I'll send you two and send one to Marcus. So you can keep one and you can give one away if you want. And then I got these new Hydra cables. I don't know if you've seen these, but they're, yeah. they're three. You can charge a Apple a micro USB and a USB-C off of one single port. So it makes it really easy to charge up a bunch of stuff. I'll send you two of these. You can keep one, give one away, and I'll send one to Marcus as well, just to give you a couple of Drone Valley products to play with. Well, um, I've spent a lot of time in the design of that stuff well, lately. You know, this this is on my desk every oh, day. There you go. <laughs> I got my coaster. It's, it sits here. Cool. It's, it's my number one coaster. It's, it's yeah, like, we didn't do anything there. We just bought that. But these well, we yeah, it's, it's, ground up, so. it, it's right here. So, um, Rick, any I closing I shop at Drone Valley. Oh, there you go. Yeah. How'd you yeah. like that, Marcus? Is that where it works? Well, you know, as an Apple guy, it, it works really well. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Good. Yeah, it took a lot of work. That was a tricky one, but I'm glad it's working. Rick, I, I got I, I can't thank you enough for being. It, it is such a treat to always have you on here. An hour is never enough with you. Well, thanks. Um, thank you. you know, and the other thing is that I, that I gotta that I have to say as well is, you know, 
everybody needs to get a chance to meet you sometime because, <laughs> you know, and I got to say this, you know, you know, I've met, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of people. Okay. Rick is the real deal. The guy that you see in the videos is the guy that you get and the guy that you see here tonight. It's the same guy in person. Okay. Rick, Rick is, 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 is as real and as genuine as you can be. And, and I think oh, that's, that's why, yeah, that's why you do so well, Rick, because you're real. It comes from the heart. You have passion about it and it shows. I mean, well, thank I, you. That, that's I real can't passion. say anything else. You're welcome. It's just, yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I know we're coming up on the holidays and I, um, you know, we do the uh, 12 days of Drone Valley Christmas every year. So oh, yeah. I've been in the shop. I've been doing a little bit of singing, a couple of jokes. So I'm starting to put those. <laughs> so if you, if you tune into our channel in a couple of weeks, 12 weeks or 12 different clips will give away a bunch of really cool stuff this year. And I know you did it last year as well. So I don't know if you're going to do some of that this year or not, but I love this time of year because we get a lot of stuff sent to us and I just love giving that stuff back to people that watch. So yeah, Valerie, Valerie's going to join me. We're going to have our Christmas lights on and oh, nice. I've, I've actually found, I got out to Epi, I, I use epidemic sound for, for my music. Yep. Um, and I actually found some Christmas music that's not copyright protected. So I got some Christmas music to use as well, too. Very nice. Um, and I'm going to do my I like doing we, we had a blast doing it live. Valerie just absolutely enjoyed it. I mean, she she would laugh for about a half hour after we were done. Yeah, it's it was, a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. It's my favorite time of year. It's, it's easy not to not to worry about the world when you, you know, you can have friends around you at that time of the year. It's just a you good know, thing really, to do. And I just love giving back. So it, it really is. And, you know, one thing I, I, I kind of want to mention before closing here is, you know, it was about this time last year that we found art um, out in Colorado and we were able to help him and look how art's grown. His channel's grown. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've given him, I mean, he was, he was at spin up this year. Um, he won the robo master, uh, you know, Larry's just one of one of the nicest guys you ever want to run into. He, he's yep. just absolutely fantastic, um, you know. And and I gotta th have to thank the drone community for rallying around him and, and being there for him. It's just been absolutely fantastic. Well, wonderful. That absolutely wraps up our show for tonight. Right. Um, again, Rick, thank you so yeah. much for being here. Thanks for inviting thank me, man. I had a ball. Anytime, call me. I'll be happy to get on. Sorry about the late notice, but it's been a heck of a not a problem. And remember, everyone, it's a great day to fly.